Hello again, everybody. Welcome into Investment Insight. My name is Hayden Prophet. I'm an associate advisor with McKay Wealth Advisory. Joining me today is Brent McKay from McKay Wealth Advisory. Brent, <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Hayden? Good. I am doing great. So, what? Let me ask you a question. What's something a lot of people think about historically around August? Um, kids, they get their backpacks. They get all different kinds of things. What are they gearing up for? So obviously, you know, the big thing right now, of course, is um, school starting back. You know, obviously, you know, I've got seven kids and, you know, and they're all getting ready to start, you know, from elementary school to middle school and then pretty soon it'll be high school next year. But uh, um, so we're talking about, you know, my big conversation with my wife yesterday was, okay, we got seven kids. We got this much saved for college. What are we going to do? And, you know, then you think about, um, I was talking to Sawyer uh, Seymour, um, who works but he's just getting ready to start going to college. And he's like, Brent, I'm going to college, and what am I gonna do? And, and I was, you know, I was just talking to um, Darla about it. I'm like, you know, your son is 18 years old, and he's getting ready to spend $150,000 on going to school. I mean, think about that, 18 years old, you're gonna drop $150,000, and he doesn't know what he wants to do yet. And that's not, he's not alone. It's, it's many, many kids um, around the country they go out there and make this big decision on spending this much money and like, what are you gonna do with it? It's a big decision. I remember that was only eight years ago for me. Yeah. You know, eight years ago I was in college. And I think that one thing a lot of people think about, one question that a lot of people have is, how am I going to be able to afford at least, maybe not even the full cost of college, right? But just to be able to offset some of the college, the cost of college or upper level education. How am I going to be able to afford that? And it's definitely a, a question that we get in our practice a lot. Oh yeah, it is. And 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 you think about it is, there's and we'll talk here say about some of the vehicles. But the, you know one of the number one things that you're thinking about with your kids is looking at education or whatever's next, whether that be college or um, trade school or going back to work or going straight to work. You know is what kind of investment return are we going to get on this? You know, more important than what accounts we talk about today or, or what you invest in is, is, okay, what are you going to get your degree in? You know, supply and demand. You know, right now there's a shortage of plumbers. There's a shortage of electricians. So they're making 250 bucks an hour. You know, that's what they charge me anyway. Um, I'm not saying the end electricians made that, but the company's charging 250 an hour. And a lot of attorneys we know aren't making 250 an hour. No, definitely not. And so... It's all about supply and demand. So when you're thinking about um, education, you know, think about it from a very much a market or capitalistic uh, capital market view is, hey, like if there's a lot of people that are going to be um, lawyers, they're going to dilute that market. It's going to be, you know, and, and you see this now, one of the things that we, I know we see all the time is a lot of people wanted to be nurse practitioners, um, you know, in the last couple of years. And so, so many people are going in that field. So the chance, so the odds are that eventually that's going to dilute the market for nurse practitioners. Oddly enough, a lot of people that decide to be nurse practitioners also consider being dental hygienists. <laughs> so now there's a little bit of a shortage of dental hygienists. <laughs> and so it kind of trades off. And so, you know, and it goes back to one of the things that, and maybe this is a terrible experiment I did with my kids, and it's, you know, the, you know, the, the marshmallow test. You know, put a marshmallow in front of your um, preschooler Tell them that, or, or any kind of food, and say, hey, if you wait 15 minutes to eat the second one, you know, we're gonna give you a second one. So, and so it's really cool in the test because most people, like I'm looking at water right there, 
I kind of want to drink it now. The more I think about it, the more I want to, I can just feel the thirst in my throat. And so you got to think of ways of self-control. And so what the kids would do is they would see a cookie there and they would push it away. Or they would sing themselves a song to distract themselves. And that's really what it comes down to. And they tested those kids. You know, they did this study in the 1970s. And 50 years later, they're looking at these kids and they're like, the ones that could push it away or learn ways to do, you know, control themselves were successful. And so us as parents, you know, one of the things that we have to teach our kids is how do we teach our kids for delayed gratification? How do we teach them? It's okay not to have everything right now. You know, a lot, I mean, if you did the study, a lot of kids come out of college saying, I'm going to be a millionaire when I leave college. I'm going to be CEO of a company. <laughs> but then they get out of college, they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. And that's pretty much how it goes. And so when we're looking at account vehicles and types, um, there's several main accounts. You know, obviously the ones that, but the most important thing is before you drop this kind of much, this much money on education, before you start planning how to save your kids, having that conversation with them about delayed gratification or what you're going to degree be in. Are you going to leave school with a skill? Are you going to spend $150,000 to work in a job that doesn't require skills? Are you going to spend $150,000 to have a tangible skill that you can carry with you through life? And I think that's the number one thing, Hey, you know, you, you think about your experience and how you used um, your, um, your, your golf abilities to transition into, you know, getting a degree in accounting and becoming a CPA eventually and then um, then your tests you've passed here to our office. Um, that golf ability translated into this ability was translated into the next ability. And so even if you never practice accounting again, everywhere you go you're gonna know people are gonna know it paid for my MBA. Yeah. It, it paid for my MBA yeah. and it was a by using that skill and that dedication and hard work it paid for it which was a super cool vehicle yeah. so and it's one of those like, I think that's a great point is like it's all about learning a skill or how much to pay for a certain skill right because yeah and I think that's something to definitely hit but th on these kids are coming out of school and they're not being they're not focusing on what's the skill you're gonna have and so more important than money and we're, we'll talk about money here in a second but more important is if you're talking to any of these these kids especially if you're not their parents because they don't listen to their parents <laughs> they've you know my kids will not listen to me because they're going to be here for me their whole life. So I'm hoping they'll listen to Hayden or somebody else. But at the end of the day, um, is talking about how do you get that skill? How do you think about that? Because they're not even seeing that world because they live in a total artificial world. And then they have to go out and expect to work. And so when we're looking at accounts, of course, um, you know, there's really three main accounts that um, fit a lot of our customers. Um, you know, educational savings account, ESA. If you make less than $220,000 a year or $110,000 um, individually, you can put $2,000 a year into an ESA. Um, you get a tax deduction. It grows tax-free. But if you look at the cost of college, $2,000 a year is typically not going to cover what it costs to go to college. And if it does, you better start really early. So you know, start when they're one or two years old. Um, so those are nice accounts. And if, you're under, if you make under $220,000 a year, get the tax deduction. Use the ESA. Um, the second type of account is a, um, you know, a custodian account. You know, um, you have a UGMA and a UTMA. Um, the state of Tennessee, a UGMA, the kid gets the money when they're 18 years old. <laughs> At a UTMA, they get the money when they're 21. But what that means is, is if they come in and they've got problems and they're going to waste the money, it's theirs. Wow. Now, the benefit of that with a custodian account, of course, is 
is if you don't use it for college, like for you, you know, you got a, f a good scholarship to go to college, um, and so that money, if you want to go buy a house, which I know you keep looking for houses, um, then you've got some of that money you could use. Right. Whereas with an educational account, there are some downsides. With the ESA, if you use it for buying a house, you're going to pay penalty, you're going to pay taxes. Um, you know, there's going to be some challenges on that end. So, but um, right. For sure. So another one I hear about, 529 accounts. Can yeah. you kind of hit on that one just sure. a little bit? So 529 accounts um, um, are great accounts. Uh, you know, 529s, you don't get a tax deduction. You can put up to $17,000 a year per person. So if you're married, that's $34,000. You can also self-fund it with five years. So if, you know, so if, if my parents are listening and they want to cover my kid's college, they can right now. They can go to Madeline. I'm just joking, and they could do thirty-four thousand times five. She'll be covered. You know, if you want to put a hundred and seventy thousand dollars in an account, you could do it, and that'll pay for her to go to college. Um, and so you can self-fund it on the front end. Um, they grow tax-free. Um, you can use it for books. You can use it for tuition. You can use it for room and board. However, you know, if you have too much money in that account and the kids don't use it, and you want to pull it out, you get to pay a penalty on the total, and you get to pay taxes on anything it made. And so that is the downside of a 529 account. Um, also, you have to tell the college you have it when you do your financial aid form. If you have any kind of educational accounts or this stuff, you have to put in the form. And so if you're negotiating, a lot of people don't realize this, but did you realize you can negotiate with private colleges, typically for, for education? They're just like buying a car. <laughs> if, if you go in and, and they really want your child, they will lower the price or raise the scholarship, especially private schools. So yeah. don't, you know, everybody just pays the check. Maybe you need to ask, well, hey, you know, I've got seven kids. Like, can you give me a break? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's something a lot of people don't think about that's for a, sure. And then um, let's talk about this last option. It's probably not one of the more popular ones, but like a standard account with your kids as beneficiaries. Oh, sure. So another option too is, you know, if you want to control the money, you can open an account, you know, just a standard brokerage account, put some money in it, and then make me make your kids the beneficiary or use it to fund education. The, the downside of that, of course, is with a custodian account, um, until you get about $20,000, $25,000 in the account, you're typically not paying very much taxes on a custodian account. If it's in a joint account, when it makes money, you're going to pay taxes. So one of the main reasons why I use an educational savings account is I don't want to pay taxes. And, you know, the good thing with the 529 or ESA, that we, that we left out is if my brother's kids, like let's say all seven of my kids get scholarships, unlikely, let's say that happens, but let's say my brother's three children don't. I'm allowed by law to, to spend that money on them and not have to pay taxes because they can go cover their education because you can use it up to a first cousin. You know, or if, if I want to go back to college, if I want to go back to school, I'm like, I really want a master's, then I could go back and do it. Right. So like if your oldest kid, per se, let's say a one of seven. So if kid one and kid two, kid one gets a full scholarship, yeah. you can use that kid's 529 to fund kid two, three, four, five, six, or seven. Exactly. So it's not just kid one in that one bucket. Correct. Right there. But there is, you know, there is a maximum amount of money that you can put into a 529 based on the state. Sure. So when you're transitioning it forth, you got to be worried of that. Um, you know, obviously California is a higher limit, I think, than most other states. You are, of course, in Tennessee, um, we don't have an income tax. In a lot of states, um, like New Jersey and New York and California, if you put money in education account, you get a state tax deduction for saving for college. 
And so a lot of people will put money back for education to do that state deduction. That's when we apply in Tennessee. So you can basically buy an account in any state you want. Um, now, one thing with 529s that a lot of people don't think about is because they are state plans, they take a little bit more paperwork and a little bit more time to process than your standard account. Because an account with us, you know, if it's with TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, we can process all the information on our end. But when we're going through a 529 plan, we're beholden to that company based in that state and those state laws. So it takes a little longer to get the money processed. We can't just move the money in a day. You give us a couple weeks, no problem. But you know, like accounts here, if they're held here with our office, typically a day or two, you can have money in your account. Yeah. It's not that easy with the 529. Right, awesome. Well, thanks for telling us all about the education, different sorts of education funding. Um, thank you for coming in today and thank you for tuning in to Investment Insight. We will see you next time. Have a great day. See you.